I'm still fighting a bit of a sinus infection, so I apologize if I sound funny or act funny. <laughs> uh, it's, it is funny when you go to when you go to get like real Sudafed, you have to give them your license, and every time it doesn't matter. I'm completely innocent of any wrongdoing, but I feel guilty when they're checking. Do you ever do that? Yeah. Like I'm I'm waiting and they're wait and I'm seeing if I'm going to get approved. And I'm like, please. I, I never buy. You know, it's very rare that I buy this stuff. But I do. I just need Sudafed, and they're just looking at you funny. Anyway, <laughs> I experienced that recently. Is the only reason I said it. Um, and I'm questioning, like, am I acting funny? Does she think? Anyway. Um, we're going <laughs> to, I have to go from, from my other job, I have to leave here directly and go to New Orleans and then to, uh, to Thibodeau, Louisiana for work. Um, and I was asking Tracy, it's funny, I forget that I'm the pastor sometimes, I asked Tracy, I was like, don't we get out around noon? She was like, Justin, you're the pastor. Whenever you stop talking, we all leave. Like, oh yeah, that's true. So I'm going to try to get out of here early because I got to go. Uh, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, so we'll see how this goes because I don't have much time and I don't believe I'm going to get to everything. If, if you haven't been with us, we've been going through Galatians. I, I was going through a series called Open Your Eyes and I didn't plan on hanging out in Galatians, but I got kind of stuck there because there's a lot of good stuff in there. Um, man, a lot of good stuff and I'm going to try to work my way out of it, but I don't know if it's going to work out or not. But basically we've been talking about, um, I don't want to give you too much of what's been going on, but if you haven't been here, uh, Paul was Saul of Tarsus, persecuted the church. Uh, he was steeped in Judaism, uh, the best of the best. He had a long resume of how awesome he was. He was, he was uh, fulfilled the law, persecuted the church, seek to, by his own words, snuff them out, annihilate them, was murdering Christians, like murdering Christians, <laughs> um, and, and was, a, was basically a mass murderer and uh, a persecutor of the Christian church. Had a road to Damascus experience, opened his eyes, <laughs> closed them, then opened them, uh, spiritually opened his eyes, and he spent three years... Um, somewhere off, not, not consulting human thought. He was, he was, I believe he was building his relationship with the Lord um, in that because he comes back and, and when he comes to talk to uh, the Church of Galatia, it's the first thing he says, look, I'm not bringing you some great idea from people because I didn't even go after you know, all this. I didn't even go up to, to speak to people that I respected that I thought could give me good advice. I spent three years before I even talked to anybody, so just make sure you know that this is from the Lord. This is Holy Spirit-led teaching. This is Jesus Christ and nothing else. And so he's frustrated with the Galatians because they were not steeped in Judaism. They were Gentiles. And so now it's tried to creep its way in, and now they're talking about circumcision. They're talking about all these other things, and there's a quote-unquote another gospel being introduced to them, and they're trying to revert to something that's a little more cookie-cutter that they can kind of identify. Does that make sense? Um, and I can hear that we're going to be continuing. We're in Galatians 3. And I can hear uh, Paul saying the same thing to us. You foolish Galatians. I can hear him saying, you foolish Americans. Or you foolish Guatemalans. Or you foolish Hondurans. You foolish Canadians. I can hear him saying, you foolish church. Don't. And he's saying right here, who has hypnotized you? Who has duped you? Who has tricked you? Who's told you there's something else? So he's saying, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was vividly portrayed as crucified, I only want to learn this from you. And he basically says, I'm only going to ask you one question. And he asked like three or four questions. I only want to know this one thing. <laughs> and then I'm going to know, want to know some more things. Uh, I only want to learn this from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? It's a big question. And any of you guys that are in here that have been saved, have come to a salvation experience, would, would pass that with flying colors, right? By faith, by hearing with faith. Um, and so he continues, Are you so foolish after beginning... 
with the Spirit are you now going to be made complete in the flesh? That's the second question. Now, who's going to answer the first question correctly and then just bomb the second question? We're not going to do that, are we? But that's what he's asking them. He's asking a very serious question. You began in the Spirit, now are you going to be made complete in the flesh? Verse 4, did you suffer so much for nothing? If, in fact, it was for nothing. So then does God, listen to this, does God supply you with the Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Now, these are, are a bit rhetorical. He knows what they should be saying, and I think they do too. Verse 6 says, Just as Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him for righteousness, then understand that those who have faith are Abraham's, Abraham's sons. Now the Scripture saw in advance that God would justify the Gentiles, listen to this, the Gentiles, by faith and told the, and told the good news ahead of time to Abraham, saying that, how many nations? All the nations will be blessed through you. So those who have faith are blessed with Abraham who have faith. Verse 10, for all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. We talked about this last week. He wasn't running around cursing people. That's the results of the law. That's why we can't mix in law with grace. You're mixing in curse with grace or death with grace. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. And the natural question is why? Why would we be under a curse? And he answers that. Because it is written, everyone who does not continue doing everything, key word there, everything written in the book of the law is cursed. Now it is clear that no one, <laughs> this is pretty blatant here, no one is justified before God by the law because the righteous will live by faith. But the law is, based, is not based on faith. Instead, the one who does these things will live by them. Christ, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us because it is written, everyone who is hung on a tree is cursed. The purpose that was, that was ah, I got stuck. The purpose was that the blessing of Abraham would come to the Gentiles by Christ Jesus, so that we would receive the promised spirit through faith. Sorry, I stumbled through that. Basically, he's going all the way back to Abraham, all the way back to Genesis. This is something I continue to, to remind myself and remind you guys. Uh, Christ was not a, an emergency thought. It wasn't an afterthought. Christ wasn't a, a change in his decision. This has been his, his plan from the beginning. Why? Go all the way back to Genesis. Genesis 12.3, you can write this in your notes. I'm going to run through them real quick. But Genesis 12.3, Genesis 18.18, Genesis 22.18. So it's 12.3, and 22.18. This is what he's referencing here. Uh, Genesis 12.3 says, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse. And all people on earth will be blessed through you. All people on earth will be blessed through you. That's Gentiles too, not just the Jews. Genesis 18, 18 says, Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. All nations will be blessed. Genesis 22, 18, and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed. The original uh, says seed, singular, and he's going to talk about this now. Uh, well, in a, in a moment he will. So all of that is talking about Abraham's promise from the very beginning. Okay, y'all get that? He said from the beginning, all nations, not just the Jews. So he's, he's had this plan in in action from the very beginning, because Genesis is the beginning. Verse 15, brothers, I'm using a human illustration. No one sets aside or makes additions to even a human covenant that has been ratified. Now the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Seed, singular. He does not say in seeds as though referring to many, but referring to one. Who do you think he's talking about? Christ. He's talking about Jesus. And to seeds as though referring to many, but referring to one. And to your seed, who is Christ, and I say this, the law which came 430 years later does not revoke a covenant that was previously ratified by God and cancel the promise. You see that? Yes. Do you see it? Yes. 
It's like me saying we're going we're gonna to buy a house and uh, two years after we buy the house, the previous owner of the house comes to me and says, hey, you owe me $28,000. And I'll go, whoa, what do you mean? Yeah, I changed my mind. <laughs> I need $28,000 more. Why, why does that, that not make sense? It was two years previous. We signed a contract. That deal was done, right? In the same way, from the very beginning, he had this plan. The law doesn't change that plan. It's part of it. The law's not bad, and we've talked about this, but the law doesn't ratify the, the original plan from Abraham. Do you see it? It says right there, as clear as day, 430 years later, does not, you, you don't just revoke a covenant that was previously ratified by God and cancel this promise. For if the inheritance is from the law, it is no longer from the promise. Duh. <laughs> but God granted it to Abraham through the promise. Uh, verse 19, why then was the law given? That's the question we would ask immediately after that. Okay, well, why? It was added, it was added, it's an addition to, because of transgressions until the seed, Christ, to whom the, the promise was made, would come. The law was put into effect through angels by means of a mediator. Now, a mediator is not just for one, one, pers <clears throat> one person, uh, but God is one. Is the law therefore contrary to God's promises? Absolutely not. Uh, for if a law had been given that was able to give life, then righteousness would certainly be by the law, which makes sense. If the law could break, give us life, that would be awesome, and, and we would try to do that, but it, it couldn't. It is just, the law is just right and good. It just didn't carry the power to make us just right and good. Um, <clears throat> verse 22, But the Scripture has imprisoned everything under sin's power so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given, 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 given to those who believe. Before this faith came, uh, we were confined under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith was revealed. The law then was our guardian until Christ so that we could be justified by faith. But since, since that faith has come... We are no longer under a guardian. Amen. <laughs> For you are all, 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 all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not a universalist in that I think that everyone's going to heaven just because God's so good and, and people are good. Because, I, But I, do, I am a universalist in that I believe that the offer is for all people. And I do believe that his heart and his desire is for all people to come to know him. Um, I just had to say that because it sounds, when you say a lot of all, people may assume that. I don't want you to assume that. Verse 27 says, For as many, of, <clears throat> as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ like a garment. I love that. There is no Jew or Greek or slave or free or male or female or, or anything. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. This was his idea from the beginning. As he is, so are we in this world. We put on Christ like a garment. This is good news. This is what changes that song when I first heard it, and I, I tense stuff that talked about every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, because I always heard that traditionally uh, from, from hateful churchgoers that would say, you just, you're going to get yours. Your knee's going to bow. Your tongue's going to confess. And it was always a, a looking down on people thing. But with this revelation, it's good news because the emphasis is put on every, every, every knee will bow, every, every tongue will confess. That's good news. We want to bow to our king. We want to love him. We want to confess that he's a good father. This is good news. You see the, the changing in perspective? This, this shifts things a bit. So we put Christ on like a garment. I love here when he says there is no Jew, no Greek, this is no slave, no free, no male or female here. 
that squashes all the racism and things that we're dealing with even currently today. We uh, traditionally, not traditionally, I say in our culture, I guess, we will be raised in an environment, and, and some of us, even back then, as, as we've gone through, will have a bit of a predisposition towards a certain group of people. Back then, it was, uh, it was the Samaritans. The Jews didn't like the Samaritans. Samaritans like the Jews. They didn't associate with each other. They didn't do business with each other. They looked down. The, the, the Jews looked down on the Samaritans. And what did Jesus do? Every time, messed with them all the time. Let's, let's not go around this town. Let's go right in the middle of it, and let's talk to a Samaritan woman. Not just a woman, but a loose woman. <laughs> A woman that, that has a lot of issues. And he broke down all of those social barriers in the same way he did things with, uh, he was one of the greatest women's liberators when he was talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees about the donkey. They want you even when they were trying to come down on him about, uh, about healing someone on the Sabbath. And it was a woman and he was really hitting them twice with, if you had your own donkey in a ditch, would you not get it out of a ditch? What he was saying is, wouldn't you do this? But also what he was saying was, you treat, you're treating your women like animals because they treated them badly back then. And he was calling them out for it. It was kind of a slap to the face, and I thought it was pretty cool. <laughs> but he was saying, look, wouldn't you do the same thing? He's, he's bringing everything here. And what he's doing is he's saying, above all of these laws and these rules and these regulations, I did these to help you. I did these to help you, but now I'm here. And this is more important. This is a bigger deal than I think you're realizing. And what he's saying is you're putting on Christ like a garment. What does that mean? Here, here's... When I first began to understand the whole, the whole Christian thing, when I began to go to church, when I, when I knew I got saved, but I didn't really understand how I fit into that because I didn't wear the right clothes or say the right things or act the right way that I thought. When I began to discover this, I started seeing these things and I would get frustrated because I didn't, I didn't know all the rules and regulations. And, and I always felt bad when I would mess up. I didn't say the right things. And, and then I, I began to try to imitate Christ as far as I need, to act, I need to try harder to act more like him, which seems like a good idea, logically. I need to try really hard to act more like Christ. But that's not what he tells us to do. We're not just imitators. He is indwelt with us. His Holy Spirit comes to live with us. It's the difference between Moses giving the law and uh, grace coming through Christ. Because as I've given demonstrations with some of you guys, um, Christ is close with us. We dance with him, we walk with him, we talk with him, we listen. That's a, that's a leap for me because it's hard to listen sometimes. We listen to him. What are you saying, God? And we wait and we listen because he, the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit speaks to us. Uh, pastor Mark, our, our pastor that was here for years and, and the founder of this church, said one Sunday when he was brave enough to ask people if they had things to say um, or questions, I remember him saying how paramount relationship was. And I remember disagreeing with that because I was so zealous. I was so on fire. I want to get everybody saved right then. I needed, I needed to know if you, you know, you need to know that you're a sinner. And I need you to know that God died for you and I need you to be saved right now. That was my main goal. Not to say that it, I wasn't, my heart wasn't in the right place. But I wasn't, that wasn't even on my radar. Relationship wasn't on my radar. Through maturity, though, I realized how important it really is. It's not just relationship that we have in, with each other, although that is important but it's the relationship that he has and he seeks with us. He doesn't just seek to tell you what to do. That's what I always thought. God just wants to be a cosmic killjoy to tell me not to do all the things I want to do. That's not true. God seeks to know you and for you to know him. And what happens as a result of that is you begin to do things differently, not because you have to, but because you want to. Your want to changes. 
I keep saying this, but I can't convince you to do things because I think they're the right things to do. I hope that I don't do that. All I can do as a pastor is reveal the truth that the Holy Spirit is revealing to me and, and hope that you see that same truth. And I encourage you to study on your own. I encourage you to pray on your own. I encourage you to seek the Lord on your own and receive what he has for you because it's amazing. It still blows me away when I talk to you guys, when I listen to podcasts when I'm on the road, and I hear these things pop up and it's these truths, boom, 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 boom. And I'm like, ooh, I just talked about that. Or ooh, yeah, that's really cool. Because it's the same Holy Spirit, one, just like he's talking about. It's not many. There weren't many guardians and many things that are helped keeping us. It's one Christ. It's one thought. It's one mind. It's one, one Christ. It's all of us together. Um, this is the problem that the Pharisees had. The Pharisees and Sadducees, Sadducees had with Christ. It says, put on Christ like a garment. What does Christ look like? Um, I've got not much time, but we'll do the best that we can with what we have. Um, all of this to say that, that, that Jesus was more than just a teacher. The, thing, the, the problems the Pharisees and Sadducees had wasn't as much even with his teaching, but it was with who he ate with. And I, can't, I don't have time to go through all the scriptures, but I'll tell you, we may talk about it next week. I'm learning more and more that since I am the pastor of the church, I've got Sunday, it's like they come around every week. It's like one, another one. I can continue this on next week. So I have another Sunday. We'll, we'll get back into this. But I do want to tell you this before we leave. Um, the, the, pro, the issue they had with him was that he ate with sinners and tax collectors. Y'all remember that? Why are you eating with them? That was different than just teaching them. He had fellowship with them. You can't associate yourself with people like that. That's what they would say. That was their heart. Um, and then he gave, and, and I'm not going to go through all the details of them, but most of you know... Uh, the, uh, the parables that he told. It's really one parable in three different versions. It was the 99 for one, the 99 sheep. He left the 99 sheep for the one, the uh, nine coins for the one, and the one smart brother and the one dumb brother. <laughs> basically. <I'm> paraphrase. <clears throat> um, so basically there was 99 sheep, one got lost. The, uh, this was after the Pharisees were attacking them about him, about him eating with tax collectors and hanging out with quote-unquote bad people, and, and the Pharisees really didn't have a problem with bad people. They just had a problem with bad people that didn't act like they were good. So it was really dumb. Anyway, so, <laughs> I mean, basically that's what it was, yeah. Pharisees like bad people as long as they dressed up to look like they weren't bad. Don't get me started. Anyway, so the 99, <laughs> yeah, I go on a tangent about that. So Jesus goes, okay, I'm going to tell you a parable because that's what he does. He says, okay, there's this guy, had 100 sheep, he loses one, and he leaves the 99 for the one. Logically, that doesn't make any sense. You've got 99, and you leave for one. You're, you're leaving the majority. Like, if somebody has $99, or if I have $99, somebody has $100, I'm not far off from them. I'm good. <laughs> That's not a big difference for me. But he leaves the 99. It's illogical for the one. He tells that story. <clears throat> the coins. There's 10 coins. The lady lost one of them, and she destroys her house. Who does that for one coin? She's got the other nine. For the effort she used, she could have worked. It was only one day's wage. She could have worked another day and got another coin. But she wanted to find that coin. There was something about finding that lost coin. And then the last one was the, and you guys know the, the, the prodigal son, which uh, should, should be named the loving father. But uh, the, uh, the two boys, one of them is the smarter one as far as money goes and invests well and does well. The other one goes off and says, hey, I, I want all my inheritance now. And, I, and he goes, blows it off in Vegas or somewhere. 
um, and has fun, and, and, or what he thinks is fun, and then realizes that it didn't work out really well. <laughs> this, didn't come, this didn't pan out like I thought it would. And he's unhappy, so he comes back, but the father meets him. He runs out to him, and he gives him a big bear hug, and he says, I've, I, I, I saw you coming from a distance, and they already put a slab of ribs on the barbecue pit, and I've got your favorite DJ, and we've got, we've got a party for you. You're home. Listen to that word. You are home. This is important. So there's a pattern here. They were lost. Someone sought them. They seek. They were found. And they got home and they had a party. Right? There's a celebration. This, and, and some of you guys and other people have asked about vision for our church and that kind of thing. And I really haven't had a... A clear, other, a clear answer other than we're going to preach the gospel, have powerful worship, and do outreach. That's really my main three things. We're going to do those the best that we can, and we're going to continue to do those. But this picture painted for me would be a good description as far as vision goes. We're going to put on Christ like a garment as a church. This is what we're going to do. We're going to be confident in who we are in Christ and Christ in us. We're going to go and we're going to seek those that are lost. We're going to find them. <laughs> we're going to bring them home. And we're going to throw a party. I'd I'd love to complicate it, but that's it. I mean, it's a simple gospel. Kids can get it. I've heard that somewhere. (laughs) This is a simple gospel. Listen, I love coming to church. I felt terrible this morning (laughs) as far as physically goes. My throat's dry. I was coughing. I had to take my Sudafed I was judged for even to buy. (laughs) And... uh, and I got here and I prayed and, and, uh, and just prayed for healing, but just, just prayed for you guys and just prayed for our church. And, and uh, I enjoy this. This is fun. This is good. Looking forward to the, the fall festival and other people that we don't know coming in here. Listen, we were talking about church is going to fall, or uh, church. Christmas is going to fall on Sunday morning this year. And so we've discussed in our leadership meetings, like, what are we going to do? Are we going to have church? We're not going to have church. And, and they were like, well, a lot of people probably want to spend time with their families. And we're probably not going to have it on Sunday, but we're, we're going to have it. Maybe like on a Friday we'll have like a worship night or something. We're going to have a gathering. But I remember thinking, this is my family. <laughs> I'd like to hang out with you guys. <laughs> um, but at the same time, I mean, that's, I'm not just saying that to, 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 to sound a certain way or something. But genuinely, that's the first thing I thought about when we were talking. You remember that? I remember thinking, I was like, I want to hang out with you guys. I like hanging out with you guys. You guys are pretty cool. And we've got, I mean, we don't have a really big family. And we love our family. Not saying we don't love our family, but... This is our family. I mean, you guys are our family, and I think that's good. When we, we've uh, we've had new members join, and that's even membership. I started looking. I want to make sure that we know that we're just not members of a club, and people don't slip through the cracks. And I want to know that we're family. We're members of this family. That that we we want to support each other. We want to love each other, um, in a very real way. And this is this is the Christ that we don't just imitate, but who dwells in us. It's His heart because that's that's not me. That's not Justin. I'm, I can mess up and I'm selfish by myself without the Holy Spirit. I can screw things up pretty badly. Uh, and I can be a jerk sometimes. You can ask Tracy. She's in the nursery, but you can ask her. I, I'm not always perfect. But the Holy Spirit in me um, speaks to me and, and wells up in me uh, and, and creates this, this, I don't know what you call it, empathy for people that's beyond what I can have on my own. And it's beyond just rules and and regulations and things that you should and should not do. Now, do do our lives matter to God? Of course they do. That's a no-brainer. Paul would say, 
<laughs> Basically, give me a break. Do you even have to ask that? If you're going to ask it, I'll address it, but come on. Of course it does. But he's less concerned, and I heard this story. It was uh, the pastor of, uh, I think it was Church of the Highlands. Yeah, it was Church of the Highlands. He was telling us he was on an airplane, and he sat next to a lady, and she was uh, obviously a little tipsy. She'd been drinking, and uh, she had another drink, and, and uh, they got to talking, and she asked what he did for a living. He said he was a pastor, and she, was, she immediately stiffened up. <laughs> hmm, okay. And she said, well, uh, I bet your God isn't too crazy about this. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and he said, I'll never forget the story. And he said, my God's not concerned with that. He just wants your heart. That's all he wants. He said, He'll, he can deal with that later. That's, that's not a big deal to him. We put such an emphasis on our sin, like it's such a big deal to God. He ate with sinners. He hung out with them. We put more emphasis on our sin than we do the creator of the universe that breathed life into us and created the stars. Come on. We've got something a little off here, I think. Um, so, uh, yeah. I can't go much further because I'll just, I'll, I won't stop. And I need to stop because I have to work. Um, so, uh, stand up with me. I want to pray for you guys. <clears throat> I can breathe a little bit, though. Um, I want to encourage you, as, as you leave this place, uh, you guys know I, ha- I, have a, I have a secular job as well as this, and, and I know most of you, you guys too. But this, this whole thing about open your eyes is, is looking into, and it sounds kooky when you say it out loud, but looking into the spiritual realm, looking into the kingdom. Um, because the kingdom of heaven is not just some far, far off place that you go to when you die. That is an added benefit of it, and it's going to be awesome. But the, but the kingdom of heaven came when the king came and when he sacrificed his son and when he, when he ushered his kingdom in, which is when Christ died for us. When the Holy Spirit came, he brought his kingdom with him. He didn't come alone. And so know that when you go into different situations, open your eyes. And I hear you guys' stories. We need to have a Sunday where we just do testimonies. I really, we're going to do that soon because you guys have some awesome testimonies. I'm not the only one that, that sees this stuff and I want to hear from you guys too. So we're going to do that pretty soon. But I want, I want more of those testimonies <laughs> um, because... Not just for other people, although they will benefit, but for you too, because I'm telling you, when you begin to walk this out and begin to see it manifest in your own life, it'll change you for the better. It'll, it'll, you'll begin to see things that you didn't see before. You'll begin to feel things that you didn't feel before, and it's good. It's not bad. What happens the same way these Galatians were is this relationship thing, if you've ever been in a relationship, it can be, it can be tricky. And there's, a, there's an ebb and a flow, and there's a, there's a relationship thing going on, and it can be scary sometimes but it's so much better than just following rules. And the same way we talked about last week, if I just built a case, me and Tracy just built cases up against each other and fought each other all the time on being right and wrong, I might win an argument or win something, but the marriage, would, it would cost me the marriage. Does that make sense? In the same way, when you go out of this place and you meet people and you see people, don't sacrifice relationship for being right. That's not the Holy Spirit. That's you wanting to be right. Now, get into some good discussions. There's nothing wrong with that. But remember that. Always remember that what's paramount is love. And that's our umbrella. That's what, we, that's what guides us. And that's this Holy Spirit that's within us that renews our mind. That when you have a disagreement, we're going to disagree. You may disagree with me right now. But that doesn't mean I don't love you. And it doesn't mean you can't love me. In the same way, when you go out and you see people and, and you even have disagreements or you're frustrated with them or, or you know, that one family member that's coming around that, that, that you just get frustrated with, remember that. Seek the Holy Spirit's guidance in that. And I'm telling you, I told you all last week how I did with, with Jordan, my youngest daughter. 
I prayed about it, and, I, and he opened my eyes to something that I, that I wouldn't have seen if I didn't ask. Ask him, he'll speak to you. Father, thank you for this time that we could just gather and worship you. Father, we talk about every knee bowing and every tongue confessing. Father, that's good news. It's not a scary thing. <laughs> uh, Father, it's a good thing because you are a good king and you're a good father. <clears throat> father, we just pray that as we go out, out of this place, out of these doors, um, Father, that this, we, we are thankful for this building. We do want to keep it, but we are the church and we know that. So as we go out of this place, there is, uh, there is so many Holy Spirits moving and operating out there. Uh, if the devil would have only known, <laughs> he only had one Christ to deal with before he crucified him. Um, but now he's got all of these little Holy Spirits running around here, running amok. <laughs> Father, I just thank you for your heart and for your, uh, for your grace and your love. Father, just let us be the, the most, uh, most uh, love-filled, grace-filled misfits and mobile um, and just go out of this place and just, just pour out on everyone that we come in contact with. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Amen. amen.